Hey, y'all. Thank you for coming to hang out with Mikkel and Candace on the Front Porch Podcast, where we have intimate intergenerational conversations. So sit back, relax, grab yourself a cool drink, and we'll see you on the Front Porch. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Front Porch Podcast, where we have intimate intergenerational conversations to connect, to build, and absolutely learn from each other. Um, I am Candice, a Gen Xer, and my lovely co-host is Mikhail, who is a millennial Gen Xer on the bubble. On this episode, we are headed to the front porch to talk about authenticity. So Mikhail, who's joining us on the front porch today? On the front porch today, we have Maya, Tamia, and Bo. Welcome to the front porch, y'all. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Would love for you three to introduce yourselves and let us know what generation you're a part of. Let's start with Tamia. <laughs> I'm Tamia Robinson, and I am a part of Gen Z, the youngest generation. Not really. There's a generation after you, but oh, there's a generation. <laughs> I'm Maya Washington, and I believe I'm also Gen Z. I was born in 1998. Oh, yes. Uh, I'm Bowen, and I am um, Elder Millennial. <laughs> welcome, welcome. I'm a, I'm an older Millennial too, Kenneth. I don't know why you threw that Gen Gen Xer. Thing. Oh, did um, I say X? You did. You said I'm a millennial <laughs> on the cusp, Gen Xer. I'm just an older millennial. I'm just older. I mean, I'm not straddling. I'm just older millennial. <laughs> <laughs> well, we get you to come on over here with us. <laughs> well, before we jump into this much-needed conversation, I, I cannot wait to hear just the gems that that you all will share. We have something called the rapid fire round. And for this round, whatever comes to mind first, we ask that you share that. So here is the question for the rapid fire. Is there a character in a movie, book, or a television show that best resembles your life? And if so, what's the character or who's the character? Louise from Bob's Burgers. Uh -huh. <laughs> I, <love her. laughs> I would probably say Olivia Benson from Law and Order Special Victims Unit. Okay. Wow. Okay. Love Law and Order. Um, that's a good question. I don't know. I can't. I can't think that quickly. I don't. I don't watch a lot of TV anymore. <laughs> what about from a movie or from a book? Um, I did just read a book. Um, in every mirror, she's black, and uh, I would say that I definitely related to Kendi, the the main character, the most. She had just moved to um, Sweden, and she was the head of a marketing firm here in the United States, and they decided to bring her over to um, help basically clean up this mess that they had made. Uh, they basically said something racist. And so um, they invited her over to head their DEI initiatives. And um, sometimes I kind of feel like I'm in that space in my corporate world now. Mm, okay, Candy, what was the name of that book? In Every Mirror, She's Black. In Every Mirror, She's Black. That's like a movie title waiting to happen. Right? I'm ready for That's the movie already. Right. What about you, Candace? You know, uh, it's a toss up. Sometimes I feel like it's um, a mashup of the characters from Waiting to Exhale. And then sometimes I feel like, depending on, you know, the circle, that it's a mashup of characters from a different world. Oh. It's a lot. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. it's the Golden Girls. Right. Yeah. 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 Hmm. hmm. I'm at that point. Yeah. I can't say any anyone comes to mind that resembles my life. I think what comes to mind is two characters that resemble like elements of my childhood. One would be just Punky Brewster. 
just how she <laughs> saw colors in her room and innovation. And then Jessie from the Babysitter's Club. She was the only black babysitter. Mm-hmm. Um, and just okay. her story and going to a predominantly white Catholic school for my K-8 experience. Yeah. Yeah, that's so interesting. Is it is it that art imitates life or the other way around? Hmm. That's not really a question for this yeah. episode, but it's just something to think about. <laughs> yeah. Thank y'all for that. That was that was really interesting. Some interesting characters and movies and ideas. I, I can I can see it. I can see it kind of happening. Um, so let's let's go ahead and get into um, our discussion for today. So the the first thing I think we want to know. Um, what does it mean to you to live authentically? Um, and how do you respond to your surroundings while you're trying to live authentically? How do you, you know, what is it? How do you define it? Um, and then how do your surroundings kind of influence what you think about uh, in terms of living authentically? I would say to me, living authentically is just living freely, like living unapologetically as yourself, living free and afraid from anyone else's judgment, and even freeing myself from my own self-criticism that tries to stop me from being who I am. I think for me, um, sometimes authenticity comes in the form of like choosing happiness over safety. Um, I think for a lot of gender diverse people uh, that choosing to present or live authentically uh, comes at great cost. Um, And so kind of really choosing the path of being your most authentic self uh, does come down to I need to be visible because other people need to see this life as possible. Okay. I agree with Bo and Tamia. Um, I would say that living authentically would just be being your true self um not being scared of anyone else's opinions i feel like a lot of people these days want to fit into this cookie cutter mode and um everyone's trying to be like everyone else so being authentic is just being who you are no matter who you're around and what anyone else really has to say about it Mm -hmm. how do you you get there i'm always curious how how do we actually you know, get to this place where we can say, I I am unapologetically, authentically me. I'm I'm free to be me in all of these spaces. Um I'm just always curious to how do we get there? Or are we is it just kind of this journey? Like maybe we're never exactly there, but we're always we're always moving to to get to that place. I think it's a lot of choice. I think you you honestly, it's choosing to be authentic on a day-by-day basis and what that means sometimes moment to moment. Um, I know that specifically okay. for me, I mean, if you're overcoming um, you know, adversity, if you are trying to live authentically in a society that marginalizes, marginalizes your identity, um, that it's very revolutionary to choose to be very authentic and open and unafraid. Um, and I think that takes a lot of bravery sometimes, um, even with ourselves, um, yeah. saying that, you know, I'm, I'm I'm here to take it as it comes. Mm-hmm. Other thoughts? Well, would you mind muting? We hear your, your kitty purring in the background. Yeah, <laughs> yelling. He's yelling. (laughs) Uh, I definitely agree that it's a journey. Um, As Bo said, every single day, every moment that you're in, um, you don't know how you're going to react. And sometimes being your authentic self isn't the way that you should be in that situation. Um, So I think that it's just becoming comfortable with yourself and your feelings and your emotions. And um, also it's situational at the same time. It's kind of hard to explain. Mm -hmm. Something you said is striking though, Maya, you said sometimes being your authentic self isn't best for the situation. If if I'm quoting you right, who determines that? Who determines when it's best for your authentic self to be fully present and when it's not best? Um, 
I think it depends. Uh, sometimes you may be at work and you have a coworker that is frustrating you and you want to react like you would if you were at home with one of your friends. Um, and you know that that's not the correct situation for that. And then you also need to have patience when you're at home and you want to just react the way that you would if you were at work or with your friends and you just, mm -hmm. that's not the right reaction for that situation. So I think it's, it's just situational um, factors. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Tamia, would you add anything to what was been shared? Yes, I would say that I agree that it's a journey because I believe that even the person, myself, who's sitting here right now, I'm still figuring out who I am authentically. And even if I'm 50, I would still be figuring out who I am authentically. Like, as you continue to live and as you continue to grow, you learn more about yourself so that you're able to share more with you about yourself to the world. So it's a daily, a daily journey that I feel like you can achieve that once you turn your mind off and turn your heart on. Mm -hmm. That's a, that's a perfect, segue around this thought of, of journey and um, grace for yourself and really grace for others. How have you all specifically been able to just like retain your peace and living as your authentic self while navigating a world that may or may not accept how you show up? I've been writing for like a year, maybe more <laughs> on this kind of topic of which is healing it's it's i mean that's just plain as it is it's it's healing and um i was thinking while tamia was talking about you know opening your heart and and that it's a daily journey and it's going to change when you're 50 years old and to be honest there will be things that will break you along the way and you heal back differently um and so one of my big movements in the past year has really been allowing myself time to grieve and to mourn and to hurt um because the only way out is through it and so I think the, the process of retaining your peace is sometimes you have to get uncomfortable and sometimes you have to sit with the hurt. Uh, and then I think you get a little power back by maintaining that, you know, this is my ground and I have conquered it and it hurt, but I'm, I'm newer and I'm better every time I heal. Mm. Mm, that's powerful. Did you say the only way out is to go is to go through it? It's through it. That's a word, Bo. That's a word right there. <laughs> right. Where's the collection plate again? <laughs> the offering tray. You come around. That's it. I don't know that I've heard it put quite that way, but um, the, the covering of the things that we would prefer would just go away. Mm -hmm. that fester underneath and they don't really heal. And then we enter into all of these new situations showing up as this hurt, bruised person or broken even person. And yet we want to still be authentic, but we have all of these things that we haven't really addressed or all of the hurt that we haven't um, really and dealt with. If you look at it like a wound, you know, if you've ever injured a part of your body, but you kept pushing, and kept working and just kept like, okay, I know this hurts, but I'm just going to keep moving. You've exasperated your injury. You've made it worse. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes the only way to heal a wound that's internal or emotional or mental uh, is to kind of sit through the pain and rest and take care of yourself in whatever ways that are best for you so that you heal better. Yeah. Yeah. My intimate. Yeah. yeah. What are your thoughts? Um, I'm very religious. And so I keep my peace by continuously praying. I am in a lot of situations where I want to react a certain way because that's just my human nature too. But instead, I take a step back and I pray. And I also read a lot of Bible plans. I read the Bible often. So I know a lot of verses offhandedly to just get me through those situations. And to maintain my peace because I know that there are a lot of worldly distractions that are trying to take away my peace. And I know that um, I just, I stay grounded in my word. And that's that's really just the only way that I know how to maintain my peace. That's the only thing that's been helping me thus far. Mm, amen, honey. Yeah, I wanna 
I would like to build on top of what Maya just said. When, when your character, I say, when your character will get tested or when someone else tries to diminish it by throwing things to you that don't belong to you, I try to get into this content space where I can remind myself, one, who I am. How do I see myself? But even not just that, but how does God see me? And how does God describe me? Because if God can say that I was fearfully and wonderfully made and that I'm worth more than diamonds and that I'm precious, then who am I to let this person who has no control over my life to make me feel like I'm small, that I'm worthless, that I don't deserve the things I have? So just trying to ground myself and find a safe space to remember who I am. Yeah. I love that. You preaching now. The the common thread of what what you all shared is an anchoring, whether that anchoring is in the embracing the healing process, right? And and the pain and the possibilities and the process as Bo described, or anchoring in 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 your faith, right? And your nourishment and tending to your, your to your spirit person is is really paramount as you continue to navigate your authenticity in spaces where your authenticity is um, stripped or devalued or discounted or diminished or marginalized or oppressed. So very, very powerful. I had a life lesson last week of how to maintain peace while being frustrated. And I was spending so much time focused on other people and what they did or what they didn't do. I, I finally just asked God, show me me show me me in the situation, like my error, my mindset that was closed off. So releasing myself from things outside of my control and focusing in on what I can control, me, was, was super helpful in, in navigating me, working through frustration while also maintaining peace. So. Did you, did you find in that moment that you were kind of re reclaiming something? or that authenticity maybe, or maybe it's even something else? Yeah, I did. So I, I, asked, I asked myself three questions as I like went in on this, like, let me unpack and tend to my interior. I said, um, I asked if I can accept three things. I said, can you accept that who you are is intact before the situation happened and right now? And I answered yes. That how I saw myself wasn't shifted or marred based on the level of frustration I was experiencing. Okay. And then I said, can you accept that what you're experiencing is not personal? And I said, yes. And then I asked myself, um, could I accept if relationships shifted based on this situation? And the answer was yes. And acceptance doesn't mean it's good or bad. It just means an acknowledgement of what is. Mm -hmm. That was mm -hmm. super helpful for me, so yes. I love it. I love it. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'm I'm kind of wondering then, um, when is it that you feel like you are yourself? Like this this is me. I'm I'm in my element. I I am me. I can unpack. I can undress it. I can unpack it. I can whatever. I am me. I am fully me in this moment. When do you all feel that? Um, and then when do you feel like you're least yourself? Mm. I feel most myself when I'm on a stage. Okay. It's, I mean, I've had to work up to that, like going from being nervous to scared to shaky. Then like, I, I feel very, I feel like I'm at home on a stage and that I'm able to express and let out my emotions and my thoughts. Like I just told this room full of people that I don't know all of my internal struggles, how I see myself, how I believe things that I'm trying to heal from still. So I would say that I feel my, I feel most myself when, when I'm on a microphone. That's great. I definitely feel most myself when I'm at home and with my family. Um, they accept me despite 
everything that I think is wrong with me. Um, so when I can be home, I've, I've been working a lot this past year, transitioning into this new job. And over the holidays, just being back with my family, it just it felt amazing and it really fed my soul. So I'm definitely unapologetically me when I'm with my loved ones. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, I think, and I think this is probably a pretty universal experience for queer people in that we kind of have to make our own families. We kind of have to choose people to be in our circle and to be our love and support. And so I have two best friends uh, and they are both named Chris. <laughs> and my two Chrises, as I, I, every time I'd rather name it's Chris X2, because uh, there's two of them. <laughs> and I really feel like they have kind of been my safe space for at least a, like a good solid year you know things in my own personal family have been rocky and they were kind of the place where it's like i can let my guard down and really be myself um because i, I feel really empowered when i'm doing public speaking or when i'm doing facilitations and trainings uh, but i still feel like that is a costume i have to wear mm -hmm. uh, that this is an identity i have to put on especially with you know, having a gender diverse identity where it's like, I'm expected to look and present this way. So let me be this person right now or today. And so when I'm with my two friends, it's like, I don't have to pretend to be anything. I can, and I don't have to like guard every single word where it's like, you know, is everybody gonna clearly understand me? Mm -hmm. um, and I don't have to like explain myself or my name or my pronouns or uh, to just be really ex accepted by people and who are gonna love you regardless of your good days and your bad days. Um, it's just kind of really good to have a shelter in in people like that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I feel like I hear a lot of just honoring who you are, like who, whoever is in, these, in your circle, um, where you feel safe and comfortable. These are individuals who are honoring you. They are, um, you know, honoring your dignity. I mean, it's 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 beyond just the, I feel like I belong here and these people are, you know, kind of acknowledging me and accepting me, but it's something about honoring who you are, where you, where you are in that space, your, um, your dignity, respecting what comes into the space with you. You can take off the mask, right? You can just be you. Um, and those are, and those are some beautiful spaces to, to kind of be in. Are there are there spaces where you all don't feel that? I, I know um, Bo, <laughs> you know, putting on the mask and then having to perform, you, you kind of talked about that um, a little bit, but are there, are there other ways in which you feel least yourself? Um, honestly, I think that I would feel least myself at work sometimes. Um, I am, I mean, at least in the year that I've met there, the only black woman, um, and one of the very few women of color at my organization or person of color for that matter. Um, so sometimes I do feel like I have to walk in and I have to put this mask on and be who I believe will be accepted in these spaces. Um, a lot of the people that are at my job are also very experienced. They've worked there for 10 plus years. And sometimes I feel that I don't necessarily fit in. We actually had a training about fitting in at my organization a few weeks ago. Um, and just, it's just different for me. I sometimes have to change the way that I talk. I dress a different way just so mm -hmm. that I am, seen in a way that I feel like will be respected. And um, though I had the credentials that got me to the position, I still have to um, carry myself in a way that I feel like will be respected and accepted. Mm. Yes. And I, I can totally bounce board off of that in that at my current work, given the conservative evangelical area that I live in, I am very much expected to present as female every day, regardless. Uh, and that is the person who's expected to show up. And so I feel like at my, at my current position that I'm currently leaving, one of my big motivators was, I do all of this training for diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, and I don't feel like I belong here. Mm. And I, I really thought that was such a wake up call for my own authenticity. It's like, if I am going to truly believe in the work I do and 
continue to pursue that. I want to take a good hard look at myself. And it's like, I don't belong here. So why am I staying here? Mm -hmm. Um, And and it it kind of felt like a like I think I'm seeing clearly for the first time in a long time and wanting better for myself and kind of being able to go to a place that my pronouns will be used you know, correctly, um, that, you know, my, my name is correct and that I'm not expected to present in a certain way every day to make a room full of people who don't respect me happy and comfortable. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I totally get that putting on the mask and walking in and being oh so professional um, and, and maybe not feeling mutual respect in those areas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I... I don't think I can name a specific place where I don't feel myself, but I don't feel myself when I'm around people who have expectations of who they want me to be and who they expect me to be. And sometimes that could look like family, friends, even close family and close friends, always feeling like I have this expectation that I need to meet in order to be loved and or accepted by you. I'm so sick of trying to prove to you that I am worth being loved. So I don't I don't feel myself when I'm in a space and an environment with people who I'm not able to show up. I'm not I'm not able to show up as Tamia. You want me to show up as <laughs> someone else like I'm not. But I can't name a specific place that that looks like. Hmm. It's only mm-hmm. a fit. It's a feeling for sure. Mm-hmm. 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 My use, you, and shout out to anybody working in corporate America. Shout out to my impact clients who are part of corporate America. It's definitely a place that I would not fit in. I would remove myself from. <laughs> but especially thinking about starting in your, you know, starting off in your career, right? Um, and even Bo, as you're transitioning right to a new place, and and to me, you're going to be navigating different spaces. W- what is your responsibility to? like poke and say, hey, let me break through the status quo. Like, hey, there's only three black folks here. And <laughs> we have, we're trying to conform to your whiteness and it's uncomfortable. Like, so what is the responsibility that you all have or you think you should have in dismantling some of that smog that forces people to conform and wear the mask and be performative and talk a certain way and dress a certain way to fit in? Hmm. That's a good question. Yeah, it is. Uh, I think that, at least for me, um, I now have that seat at the table. Uh, I feel like I just being able to have the position that I'm in, I have been invited to be myself. So not all the time do I think that it's more so what is expected of me versus what I feel like is expected of me in these spaces. I would say that my personal responsibility would be to not walk into work feeling like I have to code switch and to not be scared to speak and say how I feel. I'm actually on the Committee for Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion at my job, um, and I'm the only person of color on that committee, which I saw that there was a gap there. And though that's not really something that I would usually do, I felt led and inclined to apply for that position so that I could have my voice in those conversations that are impacting students and professionals and everybody that comes on our programs that I'm actually given a that diverse point of view. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that it's our responsibility to speak up and speak out. Like I believe Tamia said that she doesn't like being in places where she can't speak up. And so I think that my responsibility is to speak up and say what's on my mind and not feel like I have to conform to these spaces because that's how everybody else looks. Like I said before, being in that cookie cutter mode, I shouldn't try to fit myself into a mode that I know I would never fit. Like realistically, I can't change the color of my skin. I can't change the texture of my hair. I can't change the way that I talk. I can't, I can, and even if I do try to, that's not 
going to dismantle all of the deep-rooted issues that are there if I just continue to be what they, they're expecting me to be or even what I expect them to expect me to be. Mm. Yeah. I think you have to learn to work within systems as well. And, you know, after having been at my institution for several years, um, I, I kind of started finding ways to regain ground, even when it, it wasn't provided a space. Uh, I was on several committees where I was kind of chosen because I was the gender diverse option or I was the queer person who would. Um, and I, I think a lot of marginalized communities take on the work of DEI when it should really be very co-opted. Um, but like one thing, it was finding what they can ignore. Um, so one of my things is, you know, I, I love DEI work and I not being a person of color, but trying to advocate for people of color. Um, I saw an issue in a program and I was like, you realize that we are like 99.99% white in this program and I want to know why that is uh, because we start in recruitment very diverse and, and we lose that. Um, so I did all this research and I authored an assessment and I gave the assessment to a bunch of students. I, I got some uh, other colleagues in DEI work to help and was kind of able to take like, hey, this is like accreditation level data. Like this is something an accrediting body would look for. Um, so like really get them where they can't ignore it. It's mm. like, okay. I have the data, I have a report, uh, ingratiating myself to a couple different committees where it's like, hey, you know, this this is the research I've done, this is the data I have. Um, it's kind of like playing the game. Mm -hmm. And I think that there are going to be a lot of times in like my career and in others' careers uh, where it's like, okay, I, I want to make change and I have a desire and a passion to, but I'm having to play the system. I'm having to beat them at their own game. Mm hmm. Um, <laughs> I think I kind of took, took this question a different way, but I would say a responsibility for being my authentic self is making sure that the kid in me stays alive because hmm. I, I try to remind myself that I don't want to, I don't want to ignore or disappoint little to me like <laughs> seeing seeing the world as a kid like you can remember it so vividly even if that's not how it looks now like believing in unicorns favorite color being pink and glitter and dancing and singing everywhere i try to keep those traits alive in me so that i take with me every year of age that um that are that's still within me and i try to show up as every version of myself that's the same person. <laughs> hmm. Tamir, you're such an old soul. I feel like you've been here two or three times before. <laughs> I love it. Um, you know, what's so interesting as you guys were talking, it, it just it made me think about a, a lot of things. One, just the, the performative ways in which we are just in all of these different spaces. But then the idea that even within spaces where we are working, living, playing, loving, having life or experiencing life, that when when we come up against a system in, in many ways, not at all, but definitely in many ways, we're making choices about how we engage within that system, how we are navigating within those systems so we can disrupt whatever's going on within those systems. Um, and just, you know, I always, always, I think about that a lot because I think sometimes I see like the external stuff, right? So we're trying to change all these things externally and there's always a wall, mm -hmm. not always. There's a lot of times there's a wall or there's some kind of barrier. And, but then when we figured out the negotiation or how we can navigate within this system, I almost wonder, does that make it easier or is it? Is it to make it easier for us to kind of disrupt what's actually happening? Because now we're in these spaces where we've navigated, we know what we need to do, say, so that we can continue to be in that space and try to be our, our uh, authentic selves and, you know, try to do the work around DEI. It's just always an interesting, um, some interesting thoughts and insights there and in how we work in these spaces and still try to be authentic to who we are. Mm -hmm. but also disrupt what's going on. Mm -hmm. I think they're one and the same, right? Like depending on the nature of your, your work, I, I have the sense that 
on the front porch right now, it we're a bunch of agitators and, and folks that want to advocate and realize the stories of people's lived experiences mm -hmm. and what people are actually facing and where the mask that people are wearing. So we, we, we are advocators. That is part of our authentic mm -hmm. self, right? Crusading for justice. But to what Bo said, right? It's how do you how do you navigate how do you navigate those systems, right? To in a way placate those that are in power making the decisions while also having a seat at the table. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like Maya said, mm -hmm. and, and where could you infiltrate? And connected to what Tamia said, how do you retain a sense of joy as an act of resistance? Yep. So um, it's, a, it's a combination it. of all the above. This work is good work, but man, it's, it's a lot of work sometimes. Listen. Mm -hmm. Which is why you have to retain your peace. <laughs> Going back to the other question. Any, any other thoughts you all want to add there? Okay. Is there a, a moment or maybe a story, um, a person perhaps that reminds you of who you are? even when maybe you didn't believe it in yourself. I for, I for sure have a person. Okay. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to get sappy about this, but I have, I've had a lot of really great students who I think have really shown up in my life as like these lessons and these things I needed to learn. And my, my child, my kiddo, um, is named Alex. And they came into my life at just a time where I, I needed to see like real authenticity authenticity and that was Alex I mean Alex was all sunshine and was totally secure in who they were and did not care who made who became uncomfortable because of their presence uh, and they were loud and joyous and it just having them in my life made me really assess who I was and how long I had been suppressing who I really was and it was suddenly like I should have had that life. I should have been proud and out and I, I was never loved and accepted and I, I, I never took chances uh, the way Alex did. And so getting to really nurture them like over two or three years, uh, you know, they jokingly called me mom and I, I told everybody they were my child and um, kind of being able to watch somebody fully embrace their identity and just experience joy and and not care We're like oh yeah you know i i will wear a rainbow tutu to class and i do not care what anyone thinks <laughs> or what anyone says uh, because they just were so sure of themselves um and so having alex even now still in my life they've had to move away but just get to stay in contact it's every time it's like i need a little reassurance that there is hope and faith in bettering humanity and i have alex Oh, shout out to Alex. <laughs> I know I almost started to cry. I was like, nope, nope. <laughs> I want to agree with Bo that I have a person. Um, I don't have an Alex, but I have a Mikhail. And <laughs> it's my godmom that she mentioned earlier. But when many, many times that I felt unsure in my identity and in my purpose and Come on now, don't don't get emotional. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and many times that I felt unsure and insecure in who I was, she was just always there to remind me, even if in the moment I didn't believe it or couldn't receive it. <laughs> she was always there to like go look in the mirror. <laughs> like, are you really saying that you can't wear your natural hair out or you can't feel beautiful without brazen? Go look at yourself right now. And even not just telling me and reassuring me of who I am, but just watching Mikhail live so freely in who she is. <laughs> so that's definitely my person who helps me to live authentically by living authentically herself. Bless you. Love you, Marsh. That's sweet. <laughs> um, I would say the tasha cobbs leonard song uh you know my name that mm -hmm. is i first heard that song when i was in college and 
I was just going through a lot, trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. Um, and my name is Maya, but it's spelled Mia. Well, it's a lot of people like pronounce it as Mia. Um, so that song really resonated with me because it reminded me that God knows my name, even though I'm on a earth in a world where people mispronounce my name all the time. He knows my name and he knows me deeply. He he tells me that I can literally move mountains. And sometimes when I feel like really down and I know that um, life is just trying its hardest to get me down, I remember that God has placed me here for a better purpose and a better reason and that um, I can literally do anything and everything. And as Tamia said, his word says that I'm beautifully and wonderfully made. So um, knowing that he knows who I am personally, it, it always uplifts me. And so I love that song. Yes, yes. Mikhail, what about you? Do you have a story, a person, or a moment? I do. My my mom and my mom and dad come to mind because they spoke greatness into me long before I ever saw it or believed it. My mom would always say, Mikkel, you could lead that. You could do that. My dad was always like, You're tough, you're strong. Even to this day, my mom, the things that she says to me now at 40 are the same things she said to me at four. And even my therapist will say the same thing that my mom has said. I'm like, well, you don't even know me like that. So, <laughs> so really my, my, my parents sowed those seeds and then through being a teacher, students, just, they water it. Young people water it. Like Maya knows, child. Or like on my worst days in the classroom, it was still like, Miss, you're Miss Oliver on my worst days. So having people in your life that speak into you is, mm -hmm. is powerful. And for anyone listening who says, I don't have a, a Alex or I don't have a God mom or I don't have a Tasha Cobb song um, and I don't have even a relationship with God, use your own voice to, to speak into yourself. Even if you don't believe it, even if you're hurting, use your own voice. You're here, you're living you're breathing, you have an assignment on your life, um, use your own voice to speak into yourself and find community if you can. Yeah, I love that, I love that. That, that community is so important, even if we make it ourselves. Mm -hmm. find, find the people, find the people. They're there, they're out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's only why to find them, yeah. What about you, Candace? Is there a, um, a moment? <laughs> So okay, <clears throat> there, there are there are people, you know, there there are multiple people um, for sure. But I think about a moment. Um, there there was a moment that has clearly that clearly stood out to me. This clearly stayed with me. I have to say, um, and I, and I've actually told the story a few times when, and I won't tell the whole. Story go bit but um running into a teacher um in college one of our professors when we were being loud abrasive completely off the chain college girls in the grocery store just loud for no reason <laughs> for no reason trying to figure out you know are we gonna get the chicken ramen noodle or the beef ramen it was just loud and obnoxious for no reason and she was on the other aisle and we ran into her and that moment stopped me in my tracks because she said to us, remember who, basically who you are representing, yourself first, mm -hmm. your family, your university, blah, blah, blah. Because I mean, y'all, we were, we were real extra that day. Just, just <laughs> didn't even care who was around us. And that moment always, that moment stuck with me because you are representing yourself first whoever that self is. And so how you're showing up in, in your skin, in, in yourself, in your body, in your spirit and whatever, that that's going to come out. I mean, it is who you are. And so just being true to that. So that, that always stuck with me. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Switching, 
switching gears a little bit, how do you all think school experiences, specifically like K K twelve school experiences, either help or harm the way children see themselves? And what should schools consider as it relates to authenticity and just identity affirming experiences? I think schools try to, they often try to make you all the same. It's, mm. it's not much room to be yourself. And that can be as small as wearing uniform. Like I know is who you represent, unity, a community, all that good stuff. But self-expression, fashion is a form of self-expression or even just having us raise our hand or it's just so many small confinements that schools try to put you in. Just as my um, Maya was saying, cookie cutter frames. That's exactly what it feels like. We feel like cookie cutter frames and factory workers. Mm. It's so much, it's so little space to be yourself <laughs> in a school. Because if you don't meet their expectations or be who they see you, who they want you to be, then it's like, okay, we're going to break you. We're going to break down who you are so we can build you up to who we want you to be, whether that's good or bad. Wow. Wow. What's your recommendation? What's one recommendation you put forth to all K-12 systems in the United States? Listen to your students. Listen to your students. Even <laughs> I try to remind myself this listening to my seven-year-old nephew that he has things to say, but it's like, Listen, actually take the time to listen and understand your students instead of you're being disrespectful. Why are you talking back? Who said that you can speak? Just just listen. Close your mouth more and open your ears. I mean, yes, close your yeah. mouth and open your ears. <laughs> yeah. Well, I kind of do this is that's kind of my area of research is student identity development. Mm -hmm. uh, and so all of the research and all of it really breaks down to schools reinforce the societal standards that have absolutely nothing with flourishing a student's identity and their development. Mm -hmm. um, I know specifically where we live in the world, uh, Candace and I, that um, they pass laws that tell us what we can do in classrooms and what we can teach and what words we can say mm -hmm. um, when what that, that genuinely stifles um, development. Um, and I know like for my own personal identity, I, I, I make a joke a lot, but I'm very, very serious about it, that I was not able to learn that I was gay until I was 18 and in college and in a college class uh, because of the environment I was raised in and mm -hmm. the education that I got where it was that is not spoken about. Gender mm -hmm. identity and expression is not a topic at all, even in college classes at this point. Um, and you weren't expected to do any self-discovery. It was, okay, we, 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 um, we educate you to pass a test, you pass mm -hmm. that test and then you leave our school. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I think there are so many educational systems across the world that do it a lot better. Uh, and I think we could really take a lot of stock in what our students have to say. Uh, just like Tamia was talking about, I'm like, they know what they need. They know the enrichment that's required. If we could put so much more time into not testing them, into truly listening to them, I think we could have such a healthier um, relationship with education and within educational systems. Say that one more time for the teachers in the back. I want to get on a soapbox so badly, but I'm not going to. I feel you. I feel you. <laughs> Sorry, I, I completely agree with what Tamia and Bo are saying. Um, uh, schools definitely do need to listen to their students. Um, I think that as Samia also said, um, remembering that inner child, and I think that schools just want you to develop at a certain pace and end up um, being someone that is more standard and they really stifle that creativity at a young age. They just want to test. They want to know what you can um, 
you they want to know your knowledge to their certain levels and they're not really catering to the actual interests of those students not letting them be creative um i do remember when i was younger though i had amazing teachers like miss oliver and we would have uh we would learn things and songs and just create um express ourselves in different ways and i think that a lot of different schools do not allow that expression so i think that schools definitely need to listen more to the students and what their wants and needs are because it starts off at a young age and when students are in school and they're so used to being told what to do what to say and what certain benchmarks are that leads on to your adult life where you're so used to seeking validation from certain people and um yeah you sure? You I'm sure you want to start, start right here? here. <laughs> I, got, I, got I think that's it for now. Yeah. <laughs> you want to roll with my okay? Yep. Yeah. Like all the same. Yeah. Can I add on to what Maya said before we close this school discussion? Go ahead. Um, while she was speaking, it just really reminded me of how we're getting taught to be adults. It's like. Even in a fifth grade classroom, I'm getting taught basically what, how can we use you in society to work in our systems? Like, mm. <laughs> how can mm. we teach, how can we teach you how to be a worker and not a person? Yeah, That's what school always, I'm like, why am I getting taught how to be 40 and work in a desk job that I hate instead of expressing my creativity? <laughs> mm. But that's just what I think. Yeah, because you're a black girl in a predominantly black school. <laughs> mm -hmm. And that's not for all schools that look like that. That's not for all schools that look like that. I won't get on my soapbox, Candace. school and what it was for, but that college and career ready is for essential workers. And tracking and all of those things. Okay, mm -hmm. I'm not. I'm not gonna go. I'm not. I'm not. Yeah. Let me stop. Let me stop. Don't stop. <laughs> now don't stop. If, if stopping means you're you're stopping yourself from being your authentic self, then let it out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll five more hours. So. <laughs> I'm be respectful. Working on me. I I think you guys have touched on this already, but I, I just want to just give a little bit more. Um, time and maybe some opportunity to unpack like some of the messages that you've received from, from other people that you um, connected with or maybe messages about who you were um, and how you should show up in the world that you may have disconnected from how you see yourself. Wow. I mean, I think there's just a lot of pressure that comes from people who've kind of been there, done that. Um, I, I know that I come from a family of educators, and so my mother and my sister and I, but we all chose different levels. Um, and you know, my, my mother did special education, and my sister does elementary education, and I went straight to higher education. Um, and so I think there has been a lot of a lot of growth and change in the world of education since my mother went through college and even since my sister who is older than me uh, and then myself and having this kind of idea this is how you should present yourself and this is how you should speak and this is how you should work within a system and that you know you, you don't have a voice here you know you just need to keep your head down and do the work and go home because you got to pay your bills and when I was at a time in my life where I wanted to like challenge and fight and move forward and progress I feel like there were a lot of people um not just you know the family educators that I have, but people within my college, my system, people who genuinely do care about me, um, but they were just wanting me to keep my head down and to keep moving. And kind of one of my, my best things about myself, and it's the one thing that with all of the things I have going on is that I've kind of always had this really strong moral compass. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, I know what is right. And I don't care if every single person tells me it's wrong. I know this is right and I will fight for it. And yes. so kind of having all these people who are trying to extinguish that 
over time, I feel like was chipping away at who I was as a person. Um, and it took having one person in my life to say, like, absolutely do not stop all that. That that is your gift, and you you need to you need to feed that flame and to keep pushing forward. Um, but I think that there were just so many people who are so conditioned to keep your head down that it was expected. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to build on top of that. Keep your head down, subject. It's um similar to a sentence that. I've heard repeatedly throughout my life is that you're too much or you talk too much or you think too much or you're doing too much. It's always just too much. And being in spaces where you're on a higher intellectual level than everyone else around you, even even the adults around you, like, <laughs> I'm, sorry. Yes. I'm sorry that you that that was forced on you i'm sorry that Mm. your life is built upon small thinking but don't push that on to me don't push that on to me because maybe i'm not too much maybe you're not enough yes so true (laughs) i know (laughs) yes (laughs) she's 14 everybody Um, i have faith in the future let me tell you i have faith in the future (laughs) Mikhail, go ahead and give us the benediction right now. (laughs) Yes, I'm definitely going to build on what Tamia just said. Um, My mom has always told me to be who I am. uh, And she is her unapologetically. My mother doesn't care what space she's in. She's always going to be Monica. And um, I've always admired having her to look up to um, because she's just a great person. And like, Tamia said, I'm not doing too much. You're not doing enough. And that's the attitude that my mother has told me to always have. And that's the way that I'm supposed to carry myself as though who I am is enough. It's not too much. It's not too little. Everything that I have to bring to the table is worthwhile and that I have to always know who I am and to not be scared of other people's opinions um, and to just Figure like not necessarily figure out who I am, but know who I am and whose I am. So. Mm, yes. Try to get fear. <laughs> I'm sorry. Did I cut you off, Mick? I was just shouting out Monica. Oh. My mom. <laughs> say your say your line. Your bar. <laughs> not bar. But this this is just making me think of trying to escape fear, and and it's not it's not always going to be your own fears, but it can. It can be parents' fears that's put on you, siblings' fears, <laughs> teachers' fears, <laughs> just anyone's anyone's fear. This world, this entire society, community is built upon so much fear that you're afraid to be different. Mm. So just, just letting go of fear. Mm. How would you suggest anyone listening right now who is... Um, paralyzed by fear and, and who they are, what, what what suggestion or word of encouragement would you give them? Hmm. You're only afraid of the unknown because it hasn't happened yet. So make it happen. It's, <laughs> what's the worst that can happen? That's, that's what I would say. And advice that make you've given me when I'm scared, and when I feel small, just remember how big your God is, mm. and that nothing is impossible for Him. So nothing is impossible for me. Yeah, yeah. Bo or Maya, any additional advice or word of encouragement for anyone listening who is who is paralyzed by fear and and who they are? Um, I'd say the only limits that you have are the ones that you place on yourself and you have to become comfortable with being uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I think especially you know for anyone who is of a queer identity that sometimes we we hide so much because we are so afraid because we've never seen it happen before. We've never seen someone like us doing something great or moving forward. And I think that's exactly why you should. Um, I think that's one of my biggest reasons for living authentically is someone needs to see me do this. Someone needs to see me do this so they can too. Yeah. 
Yeah. What about you, Candace? I think you I think going back to the origins of go back to the beginning. Go back to the origins of where it started for you. Um what is it what was that thing that got you excited that made you feel you know gave you energy gave you like go back to that go back to that feeling mm. and, and see where that feeling leads you um because i think sometimes we just in spaces just stifle that right it's like no 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 you can't do that you can't and we do it to ourselves so if we can go back to the origins of where the joy started or where maybe it began to get a little shaky and see if you can recapture some of that. Mm, I love it. I love it. As we move to a close, this, this conversation has been uh, so nourishing. What would you three say is the best thing about being you? No one else is me. Yeah. The best thing about me being me is that I'm an original. Mm. I can't be copied. I wasn't made like anyone else and no one else is made like me or will be. One of one. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely agree with that. Nobody else can be me and that's my superpower is that I am me. With my long hair. <laughs> You know, I don't know what the best part of me is yet. Mm. I think I'm still figuring it out. Um, you know, I feel like I've really been on a journey this past year to get to a really good place. And I feel like I'm finally getting there. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've been very open to change and to growth and to healing. And so I don't think I'm there yet. But I think the fact that I'm always willing to grow and improve is probably pretty great. Yeah, yeah. How do you think you would know, Bo? If you know that you're not there yet, how do you think you would you will know when you are there? I think I'll know if if it's if everybody else can see it too. I feel like I've spent so much of my life hiding and hiding who I am and who I really am and trying to protect it. And I think now that I have finally really kind of come into my own and um, just the amount of change I've been able to do in a year. I remember saying to somebody the other day, I'm like, I'm just trying to have more fun. I'm trying I'm trying to have more joy and peace and fun. And they said, that's really big for you. Mm. Said, you haven't really been in that place yet where you were moving past grieving because I felt like I spent so much time grieving and hurting. And it's like, you know, it's, it's good to know that, you know, you're there, you're at that point. Um, and so I think other people are starting to see it too. Yeah, yeah. That's such a blessing that you, you have people in your life that, that see you and have seen you at so many different stages and can mm -hmm. speak to your visibility and your growth. That's a treasure. Yeah. So we are kind of at the end of the front porch podcast. I know. Um, <laughs> But we do, we do not want to leave this episode without sharing how people can follow you all. How can folks get in touch with you? Um, I, for all my public speaking engagements, I have an Instagram account that is, is purely a professional Instagram account that is at b.e.hendrix. Um, and then for anybody who is looking for um, connection, for training, for future education, for um, just um, wanting to keep up with what I am doing, um, I have a professional email that that's where all of those requests go to. And it's my full name. It's Bowen, B-O-W-Y-N-E-R-I-N-H-E-N-D-R-I-X at gmail.com. We will make sure that's all in the descriptions and the comments. Thank you. Um, oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Maya. Oh, I was going to say another way of protecting my peace is not being on social media. Um, the only social media that I do have is LinkedIn. So my LinkedIn name is Maya Washington, M-I-A. Awesome. Maya, any projects or anything that you want to drop or share for people to go to your org site or anything like that? 
Oh, um, I do work for an international organization, and we have an arrangement of um, programs, whether you're a professional, a student, a teacher, we have a lot of programs for you to study abroad um, and get that experience in a lot of different cultures. So awesome. AmericanCouncils.org. And I, I have an Instagram account. It's just full of me. You may see poetry, you may see jokes, quotes, just different versions of me expressing myself. And it's at official to me at Robinson. What about you? Any projects or anything you wanna drop for people to check out? Hmm. Not at the moment, not yet. Kids can be big? No? We don't, we don't have it up officially yet. Okay, when it is, we'll link it. Awesome. <laughs> Well, thank you all so much for joining us on the Front Porch Podcast. It has been wonderful. You all have been insightful. Um, thank you all again for joining us and for sharing your wisdom with the audience. We will make sure that all of your um, handles and social media accounts and ways in which people can connect with you are in the descriptions um, when we post the show. So thank you all so much. Thank you for listening to the Front Porch Podcast where we have intimate intergenerational conversations. Resources and other goodness from this episode are in the description. Please share, subscribe, rate, and review, and we'll see you next week on the Front Porch.